Welcome to the Sales Game Changers podcast, sponsored by the Institute for Excellence in Sales. Here's today's moderator, Fred Diamond. All right, welcome and thanks for joining us. This is a special episode of the award-winning Sales Game Changers podcast in partnership with Federal News Network. My name is Fred Diamond. I'm the co-founder and president of the Institute for Excellence in Sales. Today's show brings together sales leaders from the industry's top suppliers, technology to the federal government. We'll talk about their strategies to impact their government customers' missions. I'm very excited. My co-host today is Jeffrey Walensky, Director of Federal Sales for WTOP News and Federal News Network. Our guests today are all leaders in federal sales. We have Christine Barger, General Manager for Microsoft, Allison Patrick, Senior Vice President of Sales for Maximus, Joe Markward, Area Vice President for Salesforce, Tamara Greenspan, Vice President for Oracle. Jeffrey, why don't you get us started? If you think about the Sales Game Changer podcast, I talked to Fred, 75% of the folks who have been interviewed on it are selling to the federal government. When you look at the opportunity that companies like yours have, there's $92 billion that the government spends on IT products alone, a lot with companies like yourselves. So you think, okay, many of your companies, publicly traded large companies that want sales now. And oftentimes when people think of a sales show, they think about us focusing on what we do. But the reality is that the majority of these podcasts, people have talked about what the customers do. So I want to start talking about the customer, the federal government. We know a lot about it. There's RFPs and there's a lot of transparency. There's also a lot of bureaucracy. There's a lot of uh, acquisition policy. There's a lot of different things you have to deal with. So I'll start with Christine, coming from one of the largest, if not the largest publicly traded company that reports results on a quarterly basis. When you talk about your sales team having to meet numbers but deal with the government process, what is it like in setting up your team to deal with the uniqueness of the federal government? Yeah, it's a great question. We, we you know, quite frankly, we do struggle with that internally because we are cyclically based and fiscal year based with regards to results as we report to the street. So um, I think it's really important to make sure that, that all, my sellers always stay focused on the customer and keeping the customer at the center from a mission perspective. So um, the way that we seem to coach our people is to make sure that they stay focused on the mission and help align to customer priorities. And whether that falls inside or outside the fiscal year, the chips may fall, but we always make sure that we keep the customer at the center. Um, with regards to investments and other things that come in and out of my business from a corporate perspective, it is challenging to make sure that um, corporate understands the federal priorities and how that business runs and how it is remarkably different to the, the commercial business. And that's an ever-changing educational process, at least for me in my, in my business. I don't know if my colleagues feel the same way. Uh, Tamara and Joe, and that, when you think about, um, in, in many instances, the other part of your company, the commercial side, you might offer incentives or things that make a customer buy now versus just buy at some point. I don't know that that is something that matches with the government sales process. How do you guys deal with trying to move that sales process along at your speed rather than at the, the speed of government, if you will? Well, I really don't think we can move it along at our speed. I mean, uh, I think the point is made that we try to focus on the needs and the mission of the customer. I agree with that 100%. But it's really about working with the customer understanding their requirements, and trying to get to the point where you get an agreement that your product or service is the right product and service, and just keep enough pipeline there that you can manage revenue quarter to quarter. Because it, it, it is very, um, it's a challenge to try to use incentives and things like that to move along uh, that process. So most of us have learned that you, you just have to have a pretty robust pipeline to manage your quarterly and annual revenue. And I would add that. That's we uh, normally hire folks that have been a career in the federal government, both inside and out, and they're familiar with the process. So they, they need to accurately you know, plan their schedule, especially with communication to their management, and so we can accurately communicate back to the mothership uh, because th that is important. The sales cycle's long, we all know it, and we shouldn't be short-circuiting that by, by saying something's gonna happen when it's not because back to Christine's original point, it is about the customer delivering what the customer need and, and establishing that long-term relationship with the customer to, to meet the mission. I, I 
if I could just add, I think uh, Maximus is a little different um, on this panel among everyone else because we are a services uh, provider, not a, not a product-based company. And that while we're quarterly um, oriented as well in terms of posting results and publicly traded, um, your, your question, uh, just kind of going full circle, was how do we organize a sales team? And I would say services, we really are in it for the long haul. Uh, we partner and marry up uh, you know, our sales team to the agencies and, um, and have you know, sales representatives who have uh, you know, a real deep understanding of the agency's mission, their goals, their priorities. And I, I think that's the only way really in the services business to be different and, and successful um, because uh, our folks are almost an extension of our customers. So. You've all had great success, uh, decades of success in, in some cases, serving this federal marketplace. Uh, you've obviously seen changes that have happened over time. Uh, what are some of the major changes that you've seen since you've started in sales over the years to today that have impacted your sales efforts and your team's sales efforts? Joe, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I think social media has really changed things, and I think it's changed it for the better in a lot of ways. Um, our customers have vast networks now that they can reach out to to get information on products, information on pricing. When I started in this business many years ago, the, consu the, the consumers weren't as educated as they are now. So they can reach out, they can, use their, um, they can use their contacts, they can share information across agencies, which you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, that, that just wasn't there. And I think it's really good for the, the federal consumer because they're much more educated. And as long as we focus on their requirements, I think they can make better decisions. Yeah. All right, about you? Over the years, so I've been at Oracle almost 30 years now, and it's changed. Um, the industry's changed, and we've transformed ourselves. And we go from best of breed to integrated, to best of breed to integrated, and that's what the government is looking for. And now with cloud, I think it's interesting because we're going into back into more of an integrated solution, but we're also exposing the government to more commercial-like practices. With cloud, for the first time, I it really is going to allow the uptake of that process when, because functionality is released on a quarterly basis in most instances for most of our product companies, and they're actually going to be able to be more um, innovative and actually deliver capability to their, to their you know, the services. Very good, um, I think I'm most excited about the increasing amount of transparency that's coming out of the government. And what I mean by that specifically is, is uh, the principles around the PMA and the ability to go ahead and actually consume that information and make it relevant for our sellers to go ahead and provide value back to the government. So it's been amazing for us to go ahead and kind of retool our sellers to think in a different way outside of <clears throat> cloud, outside of product, outside of what we're going to deliver to them, but really articulating and, and um, you know translating how our products provide value to them in those three specific areas that they're looking to transform the government. So it does a great job of making sure that we get grounded in the customer's mission and that we're aligning our resources to go ahead and attack that to help them be successful. And then taking that a step further to actually, as a, you know, a business partner to the government, um, go on to, to websites like performance.gov and, ch and you know, check in with the results of what they're able to accomplish based on the specific priorities that they set forth. So I really, I'm really excited about that, and it's been transformational, at least in my organization, to make sure that we are really checking down on the mission every single day with the customers. I want to follow up on that, and, and, and I'll ask this question, uh, uh, question for you, Allison. So what are some things that you're actively doing, that you're, you're telling your sales team to do to stay in line with the customer's mission, to understand that, and to ensure that you truly are a great partner. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I, th I think the uh, most monumental change that we've seen in the federal market uh, has occurred over the last decade, and that's a decline in budgets year over year. And um, that has certainly forced our sales team to be partnering with their customers in the agencies. Um, you know, the, the uh, civil servants are doing a magnificent job of doing more with less. And that is across the board in the federal government. And it's remarkable to see you know, aging technology uh, being shelved and modernization occurring across the board, uh, the use of digital 
uh, innovation and uh, the sales team is just armed with solutions and they're uh, daily working with their customers on brainstorming how can in the long term the customer be modern modernizing taking you know huge systems and scaling in a different way and what are the roadmaps to get from here to there um, so I, th I think uh, the partnership model works best certainly in solutions and service delivery and um, you know that that uh, that works well for us anyway. I want to up with one last point on this topic before I hand it over to Jeffrey to Joe. Uh, again, Tamara's with Oracle, Christine's with Microsoft, and Allison's with Maximus. Salesforce is the new kid on the block, uh, essentially. Uh, of course, the company's hugely successful. You made a lot of great inroads. What were some of the things that you're doing now to to quickly get in partnership with your government customers? Well, I think it's all about um, really, I have a little mantra on my team, is we need to know the customer better than they know themselves. I mean, we really need to understand the customer's business. It's not about our technology, it's about the requirements and the business needs of the customer. So I really encourage my teams to be students of their customers. And if you know your customer, if you know their business, if you know what their business problems are, it's a lot easier to communicate with them and to, uh, and to get to um, a win for the customer. When you think about the customer, oftentimes people that aren't in this industry say the federal government, and it's all one big thing for them. Maybe the common taxpayer somewhere in America thinks that. But what we know is that really there's thousands of different organizations within inside the federal government. There's you know, cabinet level agencies. There are all kinds of different aspects of this. And the Marines themselves have 6,000 different titles that people go under. That this isn't like maybe some of your colleagues that might manage the healthcare vertical or the oil and gas industry or the finance vertical. When you think about the business that, that you run, are you more focused on going deeper inside of one specific agency that you have a track record with? Or are you more interested in saying, how can we add logos or, or flags to our list of uh, clients? Joe, you wanna start? Yeah, this is, when, I, when uh, I hear that question, I think it's really important for everyone to understand that the federal marketplace is not a vertical marketplace. It is, a, it is many verticals. There is, like for example, I manage the healthcare portion of the FedCiv portfolio. We've got someone that manages the financial services piece of it. We have, we have another group managing the independence. We have another group, the law enforcement, because there, it is made up of verticals inside of verticals. And I think I'm, I'm probably safe to say that most, or, most, most of the large organizations are, that's how they're organized. You look at Maximus, for example, Allison, um, BGov would report that you do a ton of business with health and human services. Are you looking in the se sense of health and human services, if it was by itself, would be probably a Fortune 10 company? Would you focus your team on, hey, let's, let's grow our business there, or let's take what we've done there and show that to other government agencies? And, and when you use that strategy, is, uh, are the gov government agencies able to see, hey, proof of performance in this one place equals something that we can expect in this other split place. Sure, absolutely. Um, so our, our capabilities and our quals do translate across the federal government. Um, we do a lot of work with health and human services, but we also are very strong uh, at the IRS, for instance, and tax modernization, in addition to law enforcement agencies, Department of Homeland Security. So um, that being said, we also have teams of experts who understand that what one program may be in, at the Health and Human Services does not uh, exactly drop into DHS by any means. I mean, every solution has to be tailored um, to the government's needs and be a very specific offering, which is why I think federal sales is unique uh, and is, um, you know, very complex um, and requires, you know, teams of subject matter experts that understand the, the government's mission. Very good. Uh you know, with all the challenges that have happened in this marketplace over the past number of years, there's been continuing resolutions, shutdowns, budget delays. What keeps you excited about this particular marketplace? What are some of the developments that have inspired you? Tamara, how about you? Well, you know, I've, my team and myself, we focus on the Department of Defense, so we're basically patriots, um, and we're committed to the Department of Defense. Many of the folks on my team are former military or civil servants, and we're dedicated to the mission. I think you need to be mission focused um, to have the knowledge, back to the comments of my colleagues, is you have to have the, the depth of the knowledge to, to 
provide solutions to the government, and you actually have to understand all the processes. So it's very important that you're dedicated and entrenched in that environment. And that's what makes us all successful, is because we are dedicated to the mission and wanting to actually help. And we're actually all helping ourselves because we're all part of this country. So it, it, the people are more mission focused um, in our space. I think I'm most excited about the uptake and interest in security and the discussions around that, um, you know, and to watch the landscape change um, across the government about how they look at security, how they define it, how they're going to embrace it in order to protect this country. Um, it's been pretty much the, the building block of all of our solutions at Microsoft. Um, and the willingness to go ahead and engage in those types of deep, meaningful discussions around security has, has been really um, enlightening for me and provided an entree for us to talk very deeply and meaningfully about their business and how to, you know, how to propel that forward. So. When we come back from the break, we'll, listen, we'll ask some specific questions about what your team can do and what your marketing team can do to ensure your company's success in selling to, in selling to the federal government marketplace. This is the Sales Game Changers podcast special episode in partnership with Federal News Network. Celebrate the extraordinary achievements in blood cancer research at the 32nd Annual Leukemia Ball on Saturday, March 16th. The evening will feature a fabulous silent auction, a comedic performance by Kathleen Madigan, and music by OAR. Over the last 31 years, the Leukemia Ball has raised more than $62 million for life-saving cancer research and patient programs provided by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's National Capital Area Chapter. More information at leukemiaball.org. Welcome back to a special episode of the award-winning Sales Game Changers podcast in partnership with Federal News Network. My name is Fred Diamond. My guests today are Christine Barger, General Manager for Microsoft, Allison Patrick, Senior Vice President of Sales for Maximus, Joe Markward, Area Vice President for Salesforce, Cameron Greenspan, Vice President for Oracle. My co-host today is Jeffrey Rolinski, Director of Federal Sales for WTOP News, Federal News Network. You know, it's been said for every sales game changer, there's a marketing game changer at the company that has helped facilitate the process of putting leads in the pipeline. And when you look at a, a federal marketing division, a big part of what the marketers do from the federal government perspective is events and customer interaction. Tamara, I'm going to come to you because Oracle uh, recently held your federal forum. I think you mentioned that 1,600 government guests participated at the, at the Reagan building. When you think about that from a sales perspective, what is your expectation uh, first of, of the people on your team and how they should be interacting with the customer at an, a, a large event like that. Thank you. It was a really great event. It was our 11th, I believe. Um, it was downtown DC. And it's a great venue to in, for our, our my sales team to invite their customers and to escort them through the day. Uh, we have our big commercial events in California once a year and across the country we have other uh, corporate events, which our federal customers do attend, but this event is focused just on the federal government, which is exciting for us. And then you, it's the messages and the um, initiatives are tailored to the mar federal market space. So it's a great event, it's a great opportunity for my team to actually escort the customers through the day, to walk them through what's of interest to them, but also to talk about some of their business needs and actually map it to that as, as, they, as they walk through the entire process. So great opportunity for that and to learn more about maybe what a customer needs and how we can help. Salesforce does Dreamforce. When you think about who's responsible for making sure customers get to these events, oftentimes uh, here at Federal News Network, WTOP, our marketing clients say, hey, we, we need you to drive people to these events. Is your expectation that the salesperson is qualifying who the marketing team drives to those events, or vice versa, that the marketing team drives people there and the salespeople then take it from there? What, what's the expectation? Well, it's a partnership. Um, it's, it's both teams working together. But one, one point I wanted to make about this, because I, I think a lot of folks that aren't familiar with the federal marketplace really don't understand that, especially for technology companies that maybe were born in another part of the country, maybe out in California, they want to get into the federal marketplace, but all their marketing is designed for commercial companies. So the folks that are actually doing federal marketing for technology companies have a, have a challenge to translate the, the commercial branding and marketing into um, the federal lexicon. 
And I know probably for everybody on this, this panel that grew up in this business, we've worked for companies that were just starting to move into the federal marketplace. And the marketeers that come to work for the public sector organizations spend a lot of their time um, taking the commercial branded marketing materials and refashioning them so they resonate with, uh, of, um, with the federal marketplace. So then when you get down to the, the for example, Tamara is talking about marketing events that are targeted to the federal marketplace, those materials need to be, when the folks show up, they need to be hearing their language. They need to be, uh, they need to be hearing their value propositions. So it's a real challenge for federal, the federal marketeers, but I think um, in all these organizations, these folks do a really great job with that. But it, that's their challenge, though. I think that's a great transition yeah. to Christine in that if you think about uh, people understanding your product, there's, there's no product probably that people don't have an understanding of more than Microsoft. When you look at the, the way that your salespeople help to market what you want to sell to your customers and, and or what the customer might need, how do you translate here's what Microsoft is saying in the media or the public space, here's what we should be saying to government. Yeah, it is, Joe brings up, it's spot on his comments, and we do spend a lot of time um, with materials coming out of Redmond and making sure that uh, the relevant pieces of information that need to land with the customer are translated into their language. So, um, you know, we, we do that in a couple of ways, um, and, and it is a challenge. But um, we found that the most impactful communications are the ones that are translated appropriately. So people feel like when they're showing up in a room or being, being um, talked to in a podcast or they're watching a webcast or whatever it is, that they're speaking to the actual audience that it's relevant to. Um, we like to do, a, we like to do um, several different pieces of marketing, and, and it is a partnership with our folks. And we do have a social component of that. We also have a, a broad-based component of that. But we've also found that we're starting to do some more focus type of, um, I, I guess, focus groups with you know, 10 to 12 like customers in a room um, where there's some thread of commonality um, across a vertical where folks can come in and start to actually do some groundswell themselves, um, sharing best practices. Um, and hearing from their peers about how they're leveraging technology in order to meet their mission goals. And in some senses, from a marketing perspective, you don't think about that as a marketing tool, um, but you actually have folks in a room um, together sharing best practices, probably the best type of case study and referencing that you can get across the market, and then it helps them to drive cross, cross uh, intercross um, departmental and, and organizational communication as well. I have a quick follow-up to that. We talked about meeting customers and events, and Christine, you just talked about bringing customers together into focus. I want to ask you all about engagement with, with your customers now, physical engagement. Security's gotten really uh, difficult to get into buildings, so the challenge, Joe mentioned before, about uh, social media where your customer now can go to the internet and get a lot of access to information. I want to talk about how you instruct your teams and, and yourselves about meeting with your customer. Uh, do you rely on the phone or... Yeah, how do you try to get physical engagement with your customers? And Tamara, why don't we start with you? It's a great question. I mean, it's that's back to basic sales 101 for, for me and my team, my, sorry, my team and I, um, is the personal engagement. Personal engagement, creating that relationship because the goal is to have a long-standing relationship with your government customer. Uh, the government tends to be in place for a long time. They may move from different agencies or services, especially the civil servants, but they're invested in the government business. So creating that long-term relationship is really only done in person. So going to meetings, um, they're all, they basically, you know, welcome people in. They do get bothered by all of us sometimes. We have a lot of people on this stage that are trying to call in a customer. But if you have a value proposition and you have a, a reason and you've done your homework, they will see you. And also I wanted to add another great venue to, to get a, excuse me, to achieve customer interaction is that some of these trade associations like FCA, like ASMC, these associations where they do government to industry exchange, that is a great opportunity for our sales teams to engage with the customer and to hear what their points are. And then many times they'll tell you what they need from industry. So your teams can go back and do their homework and then set up a more personal um, call. I want to bring Allison into this conversation. 
you're sitting with Microsoft, Oracle, and Salesforce, and here you are Maximus, a massive company, but not the consumer brand recognition that those folks might have. When you think about a salesperson on your team or business development representative trying to get an appointment with a new customer at the government or at one of your prospect agencies, what are you doing to differentiate yourself? Sure, thanks. Um, so, so Maximus really is different on this panel than my colleagues representing uh, products. We are a solutions services company. And so we oftentimes are the consumer of the product vendors marketing um, attempts. So we sit you know, literally side by side with our government customers and we are designing the solutions that they need and that incorporate some of the best you know, uh, products that are out there in the market. So in terms of uh, events, oftentimes we're attending. We're at the Oracle events, we're at the Microsoft events or the Salesforce events, uh, and we're actually attending with our customers, supporting our customers in uh, you know, designing those solutions. Uh, with regard to uh, you know, personal interaction, um, most of our business is done inside the agencies. I mean, literally we are seated side by side with our customers. Um, it's a, it's a hand-in-glove relationship for the most part. Uh, certainly when we're breaking into you know, new space or new agencies, we have the same challenges of uh, you know, how with security, uh, you know, do we get in the buildings and get, that, get those relationships going? And um, I, I would just like to uh, echo Tamara's uh, conversation about uh, being uh, at the trade association, so as a board member of the Armed Forces Communication Electronics Association, FCA, board member of the Air Traffic Control Association, uh, it, it all goes back to how do you really embed yourself um, in the dialogue, uh, in uh, the conversation with your customers, and own you know their mission as if it's your own. Very good, Joe. I'm curious for you as well. You have some younger people on your sales team, also. Um, is it easier to bring people to you? Is it easier to can you get through on the phone? What are some of the best strategies that you're deploying to get through to the customer? I think it depends on what the relationship is with the customer. We, we all have very established accounts and customers, and you know, getting access to those folks that we're already in partnership with is relatively straightforward as long as we're talking about what's of interest to them. But one of the things, and, and this hasn't changed in my career in sales, is getting access to the customers about being where the customer is. You know, for example, if the customers, are, if your customer base is at the uh, big FFA show up in um, you know, in Atlantic City every year, you know, you make sure you're there. If um, your customers, like for example, Hims is a huge uh, healthcare conference, a lot of my customers are there, so we make sure we're there for the week. It's a great opportunity to interface. So be where your customer prospects are, travel in their circles, be a part of their community, and you can't help a bump into them and build relationships with them. You mentioned before uh, about one of the main shifts in the marketplace has been the use of social media. Yeah. So I'm just curious for the panel, how are you using social media to inter interchange and interact with your customer and what are some ways that you're seeing, what are some best practices for the audience? Uh, Tamara, why don't we start with you? So I think social media um, is used a lot for marketing and also to get some of these events, the trade shows, um, you see a lot more of the associations advertising, showing um, what they're going to be discussing, who's going to be there, and again, that drives companies like ours to attend. We want to know who's going to attend, so social media has been great about publicizing that and just the marketing messages. I mean, working in the federal government with procurement, you don't see a lot of that type of activity on there, nor do you want to be engaged in that. That's kind of a hands-off. I don't recommend my team crossing the line. You know, they need to really step back. But to actually advertise those type of events or interactions or accomplishments is a great way to get those messages out quickly. Christine? We're, um, we're doing a lot with uh, LinkedIn, mm. um, especially with um, the newer two um, workforce people that join our company, they feel super comfortable with nav navigating through that, that tool. And we found that if you do do your homework, you travel in the circles, and then you start to reach out to them proactively with a value proposition that makes sense via LinkedIn, um, we're using that tool pretty heavily with a great amount of success. Before I turn it back over to Jeffrey, quick survey of the panel, do you link into your customers? Start with Christine. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ab absolutely. I, I have to say that that is um, the federal government was maybe slow to adopt, but um, as we're seeing the 
baby boomers uh, begin to retire and the next generation uh, take the reins, I think it's really exciting. And I encourage my team to be social media monsters. Um, there's no trepidation in promoting the good work that's being done yeah. by um, our customers. And I think the federal government is not often enough applauded for the incredible work that they're doing. And uh, there are so many amazing leaders in the federal government uh, that do the day in and day out, uh, you know, just uh, uh, really challenging work. And so uh, I encourage my team to, to be social media monsters, be out there promoting their customers and the good work that's being done. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, it's a LinkedIn in particular and some of the other platforms as well. It's a way, one, to learn about your customers because most of our customers have social media presence. It's a great way to learn about them, and it's also a great way to connect with them. 100%. I just posted the other the other day, actually, because we Oracle had the privilege of awarding a, a Gunny Sargent an award for logistician of the year at an association, and it was an honor. And I put it up there and got it out there to show that it was an honor that that the association allowed us to be a part of it. But it's it's an exciting venue and also I've been following a lot more customers on Twitter they've been tweeting out a lot of the CIOs will be tweeting out some of their initiatives around cyber and and AI and all the new initiatives so it's kind of neat to see you can actually get up to speed with what they're doing by following those so Twitter's another one to follow the customers on very good on, on the IES Game Changers podcast when we talk about what WTOP and Federal News Network uh, do from a sales perspective, it's three core things that are pretty easy. I want to hear from you which of these things match with your focus for your team. We renew our existing base of customers because people work with us year after year. We grow them through new product offerings that the company has, and then we find new customers to bring to that party. When you look at your team, is renew, grow, or find the biggest emphasis for what your sales team is working with? Let's start here with Christine. Um, that depends. Um, depends on where the customer is in the life cycle of adoption for our solutions. We tend to look at um, how we orchestrate and organize our sales force based on the life cycle of what the customer um, has or doesn't have or may need or not need. Um, so we've actually separated um, our organization out to folks that are what we call cultivator growers um, for deployment and we have a whole separate organization now called our customer success organization that um, their main mission in life is to make sure that they are um, using and deploying what they've purchased to get value out of it because we've aligned the business objectives to the solution they've now procured the solution and now you know we need them to get as much value out of it as possible so um, it depends on the customer environment but we have folks aligned based on where the customer is in that life cycle at any given time. They're all super, you know, they're all super important. Allison, and I think I'm definitely um, necessary for success. How about a Maximus, Allison? So, so mostly renew and grow, we leave to our delivery teams. They're on the ground, they're sitting side by side with the customer and if they're delivering value, then generally, uh, you know, there's a desire to renew uh, that work and that relationship and even continue to grow it. Uh, finding is really what the sales team is all about, right? It's, it's looking at the customers that may sit adjacent to where we are currently doing work and we have that good solid reputation and we're finding what are the challenges in maybe that adjacent organization and how can we address them. Very good. You're listening to a special episode today of the Sales Game Changers podcast in partnership with Federal News Network. Our guests are Christine Barger, General Manager at Microsoft, Allison Patrick, Senior Vice President of Sales for Maximus, Joe Marquardt, Area Vice President for Salesforce, and Tamara Greenspan, Vice President for Oracle. I'm your host. My name is Fred Dining. Did you know that women pilots represent just 6% of all pilots? Women Can Fly wants to change that by introducing girls to career opportunities and sharing the fun and fellowship of general aviation. Come out Saturday, June 22nd to Shannon Airport in Fredericksburg or Saturday, June 29th to the Warrington Fauquier Airport to take a free flight, meet pilots, and learn more about flying. Women Can Fly is a volunteer organization whose mission it is to promote women of all ages to fly. Register at womencanfly.com. Welcome back to a special episode of the Sales Game Changers podcast in partnership with Federal News Network. My co-host is Jeffrey Bowinski, Sales Director for WTOP News and Federal News Network. Our guests today are Christine Barger, General Manager for Microsoft, Allison Patrick, Senior VP of Sales for Maximus, Joe Marquardt, Area Vice President for Salesforce, Tamara Greenspan, Vice President 
for Oracle. We talked throughout today's uh, special episode uh, of the Sales Game Changers podcast about relationships. And, and Tamara and I, when we did our Sales Game Changers podcast, you've been doing kind of the same thing for almost three decades now, which you've alluded to. And you mentioned on the podcast that you've grown up with some of your customers, same way you've grown in your career at various levels and have achieved the highest levels of sales. You've also seen your customers grow. But we also talked before about the shrinking nature and you know the uh, fact that a lot of government employees are retiring and how that's impacting the federal workforce. Talk about developing relationships today in that type of a marketplace and some of the factors and some of the things that you're doing to ensure that the relationships are as strong as possible to help you achieve your goals. Tamara, let's start with you. Oh, so thank you. Um, so one of the things I wanted to talk about that's been exciting, I think, from the federal government is there's been a focus on talent management and succession planning that I've never seen before. So it's exciting that the government is starting to focus on that because you're correct, as people get older, not us on the panel though, we're not, we're not getting older, but as people get older and they look to retirement, if they haven't done that, the, the succession planning and have a plan, some of the major initiatives you worry about because these initiatives in the government can take a long time, you know, from procurement to full deployment to um, putting, you know, to refresh, technical refresh, they go on for a long time. So that is a worry. So as you mentioned, I have grown up, um, I, my one example I gave you was the tech, I was a sale, early in my sales management career, I had a technical director, he was mad, he threw us out of the office, and now he's in SES leading a major um, organization with a defense agency at DLA. But it's interesting because at that level they also move around. So you need to also stay you know, in touch with them. They move, may move to a, another executive position within the organization. Even they're crossing more DOD and civilian than I've ever seen before in the last five to seven years. But they usually will end up in a place to provide value and also help you guide your career. And a lot of these folks have been some of my mentors as I've walked through the Work, walk through my career and their careers as well. So my advice is to always keep in touch with them and, and to follow their careers because they're probably going to be in a place that can help you or your colleagues in a different area. So you've worked for numerous places. Uh, Christine and Tamara have worked for the most part at the same places. Uh, you've gone from some great brands along the way as well. So how have you been proactive in managing these relationships? and especially now where we're talking about some of the, the uh, evolution of relationships. Well, one of the things that I try to, to, to impress upon my sales teams is that you know, we need to focus on the executives in the organization, and, and a lot of us have had relationships with these executives for a while, but it's really the next generation of leaders that where I really try to like, cultivate relationships with you know, two or three layers down in the organization, because first of all, these people inform the, the senior leadership, and they will be moving into leadership positions uh, um, eventually. And I've seen through my career, folks, to Tamara's point, that have kind of gone up the leadership ranks. But if, if you start with those folks when they're earlier in their careers, you, you, you help them, you help them with their careers, you educate them, you provide value to them, folks are going to stick with folks that provide value to them. They're going to stick with folks that help them to achieve success in their careers. So, I mean, I started in 1984. Many of the folks that I originally sold to, um, many of them passed away. I was 24 years old. They were in, you know, they were senior folks, and I've seen, a, I've seen two generations of leadership come up through the through this business. And what really impresses me is the next each generation is more savvy, they're more tech savvy, they're better um, building requirement. It's just amazing to see the talent that has that is coming in um, to our customers' uh, workplaces. It's interesting what you're talking about, Joe, because earlier in the panel you talked about be where your customer is. And I think for some of the companies on the panel, uh, it's easy for the customer to understand what you do. I want to bring this to Allison, is oftentimes you hear about government customers giving you a 30-minute window for that in-person meeting. So you set an in-person meeting at their office, maybe it's at the Pentagon, maybe it's at NIH, where, what have you, and you have 30 minutes. What is your expectation of what you or your business development team is doing in those 30 minutes? Do you have a specific set of outcomes you want to achieve during that time? Absolutely. So um, just you know, basic sales training is think about ahead of time when you're designing those 30 minutes, you know, how would you measure success? 
what, what are the criteria that you would use when you walk out of that engagement to say that was either successful or we didn't hit the mark? And, um, and then my number two sort of, uh, you know, guiding principle is listen, right? Within, within the first couple minutes, they should know who you are and what the objective of the engagement is, and then be quiet. <laughs> and and uh, the federal government really isn't interested in you coming in and pitching. Um, and that's not the nature of the sale or the engagement. It's really about learning. And so, you know, ask some leading questions uh, about, you know, what's keeping them up at night? What are their challenges? Uh, you know, what are they concerned about? What's their vision? Um, and then normally you'll go way past 30 minutes. Christine, for, for Microsoft, there's so many products and so many competitors. Do you have a, a vision of what that 30 minutes might look like for somebody from Microsoft that gets a new appointment with a target account that you're looking to do business with? Yeah, absolutely. We've done, focused a, a significant amount of time um, in since I've been enrolled the last three years on um, retooling the way my, my sellers are interacting with customers. Um, everything from preparation and the plethora of tools that we now use um, in order to prepare, uh, driving the rigor around preparation calls amongst the team that's going to go into the appointment to make sure your message is aligned with mine. We know what questions we're asking. We're agreed upon on the outcome of what we want to get out of the meeting. And then that we're providing value to the customer in some way, shape, or form. And we're coming to them with potential ideas and solutions, either from other customers that they may need to consider um, what other people are doing um, from a peer group perspective, and come to them with some relevant information. Um, and like you said, you know, if, if you come with value, um, your meeting will always last longer than 30 minutes. I want to add to that. Uh, one of our uh, cyber contributors, Sean Kelly, uh, worked at VA as a deputy CISO, and he talks about Salesforce's first in interaction with VA. When you think about the 330,000 people that work with VA, there's probably not just one person that says, yeah, let's uh, spend $10 million with Salesforce. There's a lot, of, a lot of influencers to these sales. How does your team, Joe, manage the different influencers, um, not only in the sale, but in the entire procurement process? Well, I think especially in these large agencies that we work in, it's not, it's not like you're going to one person. There are thousands of influencers across a multitude of opportunities. I mean, these are large organizations. I mean, the VA has 174 hospitals. Um, um, so I think, I think the key is, is, is there's this, I think, myth out there that there's some big difference between selling to co large commercial accounts and selling to the government. Both organizations, when you're going in to do some sort of enterprise transformational um, uh, sale, you're going to deal with a lot of people. And the key is, is to make sure that you understand what the um, requirements, what the hot buttons are for whatever that influence or a technical buyer is going to have a different you know, set of uh, concerns than the economic buyer is going to have. He's going to have a different set of concerns than the person that's um, dealing with security. So, so each of these teams are the folks that are dealing with implementation. So you have to align and understand what are, what are the folks' requirements in each of the many different influencers, and then it's a question of how do you pull it all together and get everybody aligned. And that's, that's really a challenge for enterprise selling is that, that very point. I want to talk a little bit differently. You've given us some great advice about some things that you've learned over the years uh, because of the changing nature of some of the workforces on your teams. I'm curious about some of the things that you have learned from your sales team. I want to start with Allison. You gave us a great story on your Sales Game Changers podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me, about how about one of your younger sales uh, team members drew out a, a picture, yeah. which basically helped you explain to your customer. So again, I'd like to learn, what, what are you learning from the people who are coming up the ranks on your team? Yeah, so, so what I have learned in terms of managing a team, um, we, we talk a lot about uh, diversity. Um, and I think the uh, maturation of how we use that word, for me that means, uh, sure, there's diversity in genders and there's diversity in races, but looking at diversity in everybody's backgrounds and um, age demographics and, um, you know, uh, sure, gender and, and race, but... Uh, orientations, uh, geographic locations, 
And for me anyway, I make sure that uh, whenever we have a challenge or we're designing a solution, I bring a real diverse group of diversity of thought around that challenge or issue. And that bears out some really fun, innovative, uh, I think, changing dynamics. And you do arrive at a more sophisticated solution. So, so in that example, I just made sure I had a couple new college grads and we were churning and grinding away on this really complex engineering diagram. And uh, there was, you know, I, I'll say this with all due respect, a kid, uh, Ivy League educated kid sitting next to me, and he had an icon drawn on a piece of paper. It was one symbol, and he pushed it over to me and he said, you know, Mrs. Patrick, isn't, isn't that it? And I went, right. <laughs> That's it. it in, in one symbol, we communicated um, very clearly the complexity of what we were trying to do because it was just that simple. Christine, how about you? Yeah, it's been interesting for me because one of the things that we've done um, inside of my organization, specifically to federal, is we've implemented a reverse mentoring program mm -hmm. for some of our most senior leaders. Um, so people that have been in the workforce for a significant amount of time, we, um, we take in um, you know, new to career hires every year. We take in 10 to 12. And you know, as much as they want the mentoring um, you know, of the senior leadership team, we reach out to them to get mentoring back. And it's just simply amazing um, just to kind of get you grounded in the language, um, the messages that you send, how they want to consume um, different information and data in different ways. And it's been eye-opening for me um, and helped me grow in tremendous ways to make sure that I'm connected with them. So let's take that a step further. Those, those um, millennials are now going into our customers because you know, six, I think the statistic is like 60 or 65% of the workforce in the federal government is going to be retiring in the next five years. Um, so now all of the great things that we learn inside of Microsoft, we're trying to transcend them into different organizations within the government and providing reverse mentoring um, experiences for them um, to give the government new ideas on how to attract um, attract talent. And that's been really, really successful for us. Joe, how about you? What's going on at Salesforce in that regard? Well, I can say that on my team, I obviously, I've got a much younger work team working for me. Um, I'll be hitting uh, 60 in a year and a half, so I've been in this, this business for a long time. I learned from my, the, the thing that amazes me about um, the folks on my team, the younger folks, is how savvy they are with technology. And um, I think I'm pretty good with technology. I've been in technology my entire career. But the kind of tools they come up with, hey, I found this out on the internet, like, where'd you come up with that? Oh, I was out. It's just really interesting to see that, that they are bring, they've been raised with iPhones and, and social media, and they're so comfortable with it. And I've learned a lot from them about how to better connect with my customer by watching the, the tools that they're using. And I've learned a lot from my team um, about engagement in you know, the 21st century because that's what they do. That's who they are, and it's fantastic to watch that. So we're coming uh, soon to the end of this, and I'd be remiss to say we've talked so much about the customer, customer in this case referring to the government, but as, as sales leaders or just leaders in general, we have two customers, the people that work on our teams and the clients that we serve. I, I want to conclude with talking about how you keep the best talent on your teams and best practices as it relates to engaging with the people that work for you and making sure that they feel uh, support both from you, but they also see uh, opportunity for advancement and, and things that they're interested in having as part of their career. Tamara, can we start with Oracle? That's a, that's a great question. So at Oracle, we spend a lot of time um, investing in our people with a training plan. We, over the years, uh, you know, it was back in the early 90s, it was pretty loosey-goosey, and now it's very structured. We have a very structured training plan, and we have an ongoing training plan. And I think it's important, people think training, oh, it's going to be a waste of my time, but when you actually go into this training, and we do it quite often, you actually get something out of it every time. I personally am a big fan. I get some nugget out of a leadership training plan or a complex training plan or some of the other people in the room because usually they're in classroom styles, you always get something out of it. And I think if you take the time, invest, you know, invest in your people, 
listen to your people. So when you're in these venues, you know, you have people in a room some for two days, listen to what everyone has to say, and actually to, to actually, you know, it's a purpose, right? Everything's for purpose. If they say something or people want to learn something, actually take action on that. So what I've learned is do it and take action and move on. You make a great point. I'm a listen, and that came up multiple times in the panel. I want to go to Christine. You have 100 people on your team, I believe. Um, listening to 100 people, A, is hard, but B, just because you listen to them doesn't mean that what they say is actually practical in a Microsoft world. How do you take that listening and make sure that people are heard, but it doesn't mean that you have to do what they say. Right, and that's the, that's the masterful coaching piece when you're talking to people and how to maneuver through what's important to them and what's the impact to them. Um, typically, when people make suggestions, after you kind of peel back and go through, we have a co coaching methodology that we use at Microsoft, which is super effective. We call it the crayon method. Um, once you kind of use that crayon method, the, the, the initial suggestion that people typically make uh, on the other end comes out to be something completely different. And you're able to kind of coach them along um, uh, in the meantime. I would just conclude with saying that we're trying to build a thank you culture in my organization. It's all about thank you. Um, we try to, to make sure that we appreciate and extend appreciation on the smallest things um, all the time. Not in a disingenuous way, but in a way that makes people feel valid and valued and they want to contribute to the success of the organization. Our guests today, and I want to thank my co-host Jeffrey Rolinski with WTOP News and Fed News Network. Again, our guests were Christine Barger, General Manager at Microsoft, Allison Patrick, Senior VP of Sales for Maximus, Joe Markward, Area Vice President of Sales for Salesforce, Myra Greenspan, Vice President for Oracle. Again, I'm your host. My name is Fred Diamond. We're listening to a special episode of the Sales Game Changers podcast, partnership with Federal News Network. For more information on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search excellence. We'll be transcribing today's complete episode. It can be found at www.salesgamechangerspodcast.com slash federal. To subscribe to the Sales Game Changers podcast, go to the Apple Podcast Store, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcast. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Now go out there and go sell. Thank you for listening to the Sales Game Changers podcast, sponsored by the Institute for Excellence in Sales on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. 